I'm Luke Simmons. And I'm Matthew Brazelton. And we are here to critique the hell out of culture. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the King Culture Podcast. Uh, it is great to have you listening with us. And uh, once again, Dr. Seth Trout is not with us. Another huge downgrade. <laughs> Matthew Brazelton is here today. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> now that you told me before we started recording, he goes, I can't believe you said that Mark was a downgrade. Like, maybe people were thinking that, but you can't say that. You can't say it out loud. And uh, I just think, I mean, it's more a compliment to Seth than it sure. is a, a dig on Mark or a dig on you. I just, That's I fine. feel like anytime I'm around the guy, it's like, well, there's a lot going on yeah, up in that let's brain. Just, let's just get it out there and be honest and yeah. then we can move forward. So, so anyway, we've heard a little bit from Seth. He's having a good time in Prague uh, visiting his family and hopefully we'll be back with us soon. But uh, Matthew, it's great to have you back. You're actually our first repeat. How about that? Uh, guest. I don't know if you're a guest or. I don't know either, but I love this podcast. I listen to every episode and I'm really thankful for it. So. Yeah, so we're trying to just dig deeper into these countercultural conviction sermons. And uh, this past Sunday was on generosity. And man, what a fun day it was. It Super was really fun. pretty cool. Um, you know, yeah. we had heard about Livingstone Community Church and the, their need with their trailer. Uh, we'd heard about that kind of early in the week and went, you know what, what if we just kind of did this? And, and the elders were just totally excited about it. And then to be able to, at the end of the message, kind of bring that up. And I don't know about you, I could sort of feel in the room oh, yeah. a change. Yep. It was interesting. Even at the beginning of the message, I kind of said like, hey, at the end of this, we're going to have a chance to apply it. And I think once people knew it was generosity, I felt a little like uh, like people going, oh, you're going to ask us to give to the church. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you know. But then to actually be able to say, hey, let's give to this thing and um, kind of the connection a little bit with Second Corinthians 8 and how Paul's you know, doing this for these other churches. And I just felt the room kind of lift yeah. with like, a, man, this is exciting. Yeah. Oh, I then, felt it too. Yeah. Then we started kind of getting some of the results in on it and it was just amazing. So why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, pretty incredible. So um, there definitely was like a, I think a real excitement to go, Hey, we want to do something that's like intentionally going to bless someone that's not, you know, th there's no like reciprocal thing going on here uh, for us, which was really neat. Uh, yeah. So in I guess 24 hours, we raised over $54,000. It's amazing. Uh, which was, which exceeded the need that, that they had mentioned. Yeah. The um, trailer they had lost and all the equipment, I think they estimated the loss was about 48,000. So yeah. uh, we didn't have a goal on it, but it felt like, oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, this kind of, this exceeded what we would have ever, I think, imagined. Yeah. It, it did exceed kind of what we thought, and yet it doesn't surprise me. I feel mm. like our people have just been, um, it feels like there's a spirit of generosity here. Yeah, um, really it's actually is. something that moves me. I get daily reports on our giving. So every day I get an email and every day I see it and I see the number and I thank the Lord and I feel just God's provision mm. and God's love and um, the unity and buy-in of folks. And um, it's just a real... It's a moving thing. I actually kind of just seeped. I wasn't weeping, but I was like seeping <laughs> through the whole message mm. just because I feel like this is, uh, it's close to the heart of God. It's close to the heart of the gospel. And um, I feel like it's something that's in our, in our DNA and mm. I'm just so thankful for it. Yeah. So. Well, and for those of you that are wondering, do all the pastors receive reports about giving every day? No, but that's a lot of why I wanted you to be here, Matthew, is your role really, you know, part of it is kind of helping uh, run things operationally and financially yeah. here. 
And so, um, yeah, you do have probably more of an inside look into that. Yeah. And uh, I've been struck over the years, anytime people have been part of a kind of counting team, you know, that's one of these kind of weird parts of church is, right. you know, someone has to count the offering and it's easy to do with the online giving. I mean, that just automatically gets counted, but with in-person giving, there's usually a small team of people. You help oversee that team of folks, um, that are not, uh, family members or anybody related to staff that way, um, but kind of a, a small group of folks that, that count those offerings and tabulate it. And there's always more than one person there and that whole process. But the, the, over the years, the people that have done that ministry have just continually just told me like, man, it's so encouraging yeah. because there's a lot of the envelopes or the checks or whatever that they don't know the names, but sometimes they do. And it's obviously that's a high privileged kind of information and right. they try to guard that but um especially in the case where they kind of realize like man there are people that are really giving yeah in substantial ways and they just it, it's always very humbling to them i think yeah yeah it is it really is um i mean i i have access to who gives what i don't look at it unless there's a reason to really um plus i have a terrible memory so i don't really <laughs> i don't i don't walk around campus and there's like little dollar signs above everybody's head i, I don't have that kind of memory but, praise um, the lord for that yeah but it is it is see that might be why the lord didn't give you a very good memory that very well might be true i have to write knew, everything down that i need he to remember knew that you were going to have this this responsibility yeah. and it would screw you up maybe yeah you know? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. So, uh, but but it it's always um, tremendously humbling. I mean, the end of every year has been um, always a humbling experience when the Lord's. We just look at all the Lord has provided each year. So, um, yeah, it was really really cool. Yeah. So, so um, we're going to just talk more, I guess, about the the issue of generosity. Obviously, Sunday focused a lot, kind of on the financial side. Um, but I was struck even as we were going through second Corinthians eight, that verse five, where he talked about, you know, you guys gave yourselves to the Lord and yeah. then also to us and kind of that idea of that generosity isn't just about our money, but it's kind of a, an overall, I don't know what you'd call it, a way of life, a lifestyle, yeah. uh, you know, approach to following Jesus. Um, yeah. and I thought, um, even in the video that we showed from the Bible project, I thought that them sort of framing it around whether you see the world through the lens of abundance mm. or scarcity yeah. was kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting thing. So I'm, I'm curious for you, Matthew, you, you know, you, um, mm -hmm. do you tend to see things through scarcity or abundance? Yeah. I mean, in, in my flesh, so my unredeemed self would definitely tend to see the world through kind of a lens of scarcity. And so that's uh, a lot of the work that I do even just spiritually with the Lord and on a daily basis is try to rather than grasp to have open hands and an open posture of my heart and receive what the Lord provides. Um, Do you feel like that's an across the board thing or certain areas you feel like more prone to view it with scarcity? Because like I, I talked on Sunday about, you know, there's different ways to be generous. You can be generous with your money. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your energy you can be generous with your experiences and your knowledge and your expertise. There's just, I mean, the list is long. Are there certain places where you find it's, you know, more naturally scarce for you? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I like to be generous. Yeah. And I, when I see opportunities, I get really excited about them. Uh, but I think when I'm not like looking intentionally through those, those lenses, um, that I tend to, I tend to just see the world as, uh, you know, a, a fixed, fixed resources. And, um, 
some of that is just related to my story and the way I interpreted my story kind of growing up and stuff. But, uh, you know, we just got back from a trip to Disneyland, <laughs> which is great, but I felt, um, you know, en energy is a big resource and sure. I felt myself from the beginning. Cause I know the way my family does Disneyland is they <laughs> want to be there the entire time it's open. And the park was open from eight to 11, which is it's a long day, 15 hours in case anyone's keeping track. And I felt myself like going as we're walking to the park, Walking to the park. Walking to the park, <laughs> thinking, how can I conserve? How can I protect huh. my energy levels? Because I'm worried that more is going to be demanded than what is going to be provided mm. to me. Yeah, uh, and that's that's kind of a fleshly way of thinking, right? That's a I'm going to grasp the apple rather than trust the Lord to provide the the food and the goodness that I need. Um, and so that was a battle, but, but at least I'm aware of it and was able to, well, so, so let's, let's pause there for a minute, just cause I think this is an interesting example. Like on one hand you go, yeah, that's fleshly. On the other hand, you go, well, good stewardship says sure. yeah. your energy is a limited resource being yep. on your feet for 15 hours. Is My goodness. Not, you know, no one's skipping home from a 15 hour day at Disneyland. Maybe, maybe no. Shiloh was maybe your, yeah. your girl, but my nine-year-old beat me. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, so I don't know, like, is that fleshly or is that wisdom? Right. Cause yeah, I, and I, great I think there are people who in variety of areas of life are just stingy and right. there are other people who might look more stingy, but they would say, no, I'm trying to be a good steward. Yeah. So this, this is, I mean, this has broad implications just even to ministry. Cause there's always more you could do sure. for the Lord. There's always more you could give. Um, and yet there's this reality that we're limited creatures. Like even before the fall, even before sin entered the world, we were created dependent right. on the Lord, dependent on oxygen and food and water and all these, these things that sleep. we we need. Sleep is a huge one. Um, and so we, we have a counselor that we both talk to at separate yeah. times, same guy. <laughs> we're not like in counseling together, but, um, and he talks about one of the great marks of maturity is recognizing and making peace with your limits and your losses. And, uh, and so that kind of factors into this conversation. So I think the the question is more, um, a heart, a heart of discerning what has God called me to here? Mm -hmm. And can I trust that he'll provide what I need to, for, for what I'm called to do. Um, and, and I think it also, there's just wisdom in knowing what, are, what is my heart prone to do apart from God's spirit? Hmm. So am I, am I prone to be reckless and over, overdo it? Hmm. Then maybe like a spirit informed response would be to scale back hmm. and to yeah. slow down and to be more present in the moment. Um, or am I, am I prone to kind of hold things tightly and be more on the stingy side? Um, then maybe the spirit would be inviting me to, to open my hands and trust. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting tension because I do feel like there's a kind of Christianity that says anything that's more difficult, anything that's more costly, anything mm -hmm. that is, is going to cost more money that, you know, that's going to challenge you in bigger ways. If it's hard, you, it must be God. Yeah. And, um, and I think there are a lot of people who kind of like, just, you need more of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, life's way too comfortable. Too too easy. And yeah. then there are, at times it feels like people who like, you could just, if you were, especially a manipulative leader, you could pretty easily get people to just do stuff because it's like, well, if you really love Jesus, right. you'd give a lot to this or this or this, or you do a lot for that or that or that. And yeah. um, I, I feel that tension. It can become a form of justification. Like, hey, am I 
am I doing enough or am I feeling anxiety enough? Like mm. that there's even like a whole culture in the church of anxiety. Like, am I, am I burdened by, uh, the, the, all the needs that are out there? Right. Do I care? Right. It, like, like the, the positive way of saying it would be, do I care? Right. But that care can easily turn into an anxiety. I think that's one of the biggest challenges of our kind of cultural moment is we're aware of way more needs that we could, than we could ever possibly. Oh man. Yeah. You know, meet. And how do you decide what to, to really care about and invest in? And how do you decide what to release to the Lord and say, well, and you said something earlier, just kind of, as you were kind of talking about energy and you said, you know, you got to figure out what has the Lord called me to. Yeah, exactly. And then will he provide the resources to do it? And I think that sometimes is maybe the challenge is we get caught up in the emotion of it or we get caught up in the need of it and we realize, okay, there's not every need I can meet, but what is the Lord calling me to? Um, and that's where I think the instinct to go, well, if it's hard, the Lord must be calling you to it gets right. in the right. kind of like gets in the way of our discernment maybe at times. And, yeah. um, and we do end up feeling like, like I can think of certain people that I know who just like they live lives of unbelievable generosity with their time with their money with everything and they still never feel like they're doing enough yeah and i feel like it's fine if someone's in that position and they feel like i wish i could do more Mm. it breaks my heart when they're in that position and it's like i'm not doing enough well and And i need to be doing more and it's like that that subtle difference feels important well i think the heart of the father is one of delight in his kids and when you're heart posture or anxiety or whatever, like feelings of not work, you know, adding up prevents you from experiencing the the light of, of God and his pleasure in you. Um, that's really sad. And I, and I don't think that's what, I don't think that's how God wants us to, to live. So, so to bring it kind of full circle back to the Disneyland thing, I knew God had called me to, to be there with my kids and to have fun with them. Like that was a big part of the trip. And so I also knew my limits and so I talked with my wife ahead of time and said, Hey, I'm probably going to come back to the room, to the hotel room in the afternoon and take a nap. I was the only one in my family that did that. It was gone for an hour. And then I'm probably going to leave the park around 10 o'clock, not 11 o'clock. <laughs> Cause that was when what you came back from your nap. They were probably like, wait, you were gone. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now the kids the, it used to be the kids were little. They wanted to hang out with all the adults. Sure. Now they just want to hang out with each other. So I spent a lot of time just walking around by myself, like looking around at stuff. But, um, you know, that enabled me to, to live generously within the limits that I felt like were, were honest and true about who yeah. I am. So huh. that's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know what other thoughts you have kind of rolling around in your head. On yeah. This, but yeah, one of the things that came up actually, so I'm teaching a class right now called Bible Boot Camp, which is an intensive kind of uh, kind of journey through the scriptures. Yeah. We, we go through all the books of the Bible, and um, it's really fun. I was teaching last night, and we were teaching through the the poetic books, and one of the books mm. that we talk through is the Book of Job, mm-hmm. and one of the themes of uh, the wisdom literature or the poetry books. So that's uh, Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Proverbs. One of the big themes of those books is um, God's sovereignty and suffering mm. and trying to make sense of how could a God who's just and good allow suffering, particularly when it seems like unwarranted. Sure. So like this example actually came up of uh, 
of living Livingstone getting their trailer stolen. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile a church who's doing God's work, who lo- who's loving people, who's sharing the gospel? How do you how do you explain God allowing someone to steal the trailer from them? Right, and uh, you know the first answer that a lot of this wisdom literature tells you is you can't explain it fully. Like sure, God God doesn't answer to us. We can ask our questions, but he doesn't always give us the full answer. Mm. Um, but what, one of the, one of the answers you see, um, in scripture is that, uh, evil creates opportunities for generosity sure, and grace. And it's actually like the passage you preached out of, it's a grace to the people giving mm. to be able to meet the needs. So there was, there was poverty in these churches that they were raising money for. And that poverty was, was an evil, right? That's a, that's not how God intended life to be before sin entered the world. And yet it created this incredible opportunity for other churches to be blessed by giving. And it created an opportunity for unity on a deeper level amongst churches, you know, than, than that wasn't there previously. Sure. And so one of the things I've just been reflecting on is how, how generosity kind of corresponds to mm-hmm. suffering yeah. and pain. When we wouldn't say there, and I know you're not saying this, that that's why the Lord has people suffer no. to give other people that chance to help alleviate their suffering. Um, no. That could feel way too capricious and way oh, too yeah. like, you know, God, the puppet master, but it is in God's sovereignty and grace. One of the ways that he turns this beautiful or this ugly thing into something beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw tears on Sunday huh. of joy that people were able to do this. Yeah. And that was a grace to the recipients and to the givers that wouldn't have had it it wouldn't have existed had that evil not been allowed by the Lord. Um, That's not the only reason that's not, you know, that's not even to say that that makes it, I mean, there's a lot worse evil than getting your trailer stolen. Sure. And um, well, and that, and that kind of is an interesting thing of like, uh, you know, I can imagine someone going like, so you gave all this money so a church could have a trailer (laughs) to do church more like, well, what about this or what about that or what about that? Right. What about other families in our church that are needy? And Yeah. Well, and some of that, you know, on this podcast we talked about last week, you know, we are trying to meet those needs of folks in our church. But, you know, I, I do think you kind of go like, well, why didn't you do an offering for this or why didn't you do an offering for that? I'm curious, you know, as a church leader for you, how do you how do you think about that? The opportunity. Yeah, because you just well, and you just mentioned like we know about more than we can even do anything about. Yeah, you know, how do you? I don't know. Like, how does that work? Well, I mean, I think that's one of the keys to to living in general, but Christian living in particular <laughs> is how did you discern? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> are you ready for one of the keys <laughs> to living? Here it is. Well, it's it's discerning what's my lane. What am I mm, called to? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the freedoms I feel as a church leader is we are not leading the church, capital C, uh, of all yeah. the world. We're sure. leading our congregation in at Gateway. And so I don't I don't have to feel the burden of solving all of the world's problems or even all the problems in our community, but I I I get to I get to explore opportunities to press into areas of need that we're uniquely equipped and gifted yeah. by God to address. Sure. So we're, you know, you mentioned some of these things in your sermon, but um we tend to be a church that has a lot of invest. We've done a lot of investing in counseling, uh, for, for families. And so we're meeting a lot of needs there and we're training other churches and other leaders to help, you know, better address 
situations of domestic violence and, and marriage issues and parenting issues and things of that nature. And so I, I guess short answer would be, I try to look at what it is that God has provided mm -hmm. and what context it is that God has placed us in and then match those needs. Yep. And if the Lord wants us to do more, he has to provide more. <laughs> and the sure. good news is he's the provider, you know, yeah, that's sure. not our job. So. What makes me think of years ago, man, I don't know, this was over 10 years ago, probably, uh, where Molly and I, you know, there was a big push here at Redemption related to foster care and adoption. Yeah. And um, yeah. that's something that's still going on. Uh, we still have a lot of investment in that. <clears throat> and so we were thinking, okay, how are we going to be involved? And so we were going to foster care orientations and doing different things. And you would talk to different people and, and I would hear kind of the same thing over and over from different people. I would hear people say, well, what's the biggest need? Mm. Tell us the biggest need. Tell yep. us the biggest need. And when I would hear the biggest need, it was like, well, I can't do that. It's like adopt a 14 year old. <laughs> yeah. It mostly was that like yeah. folk, you know, kids who are like pretty far into the system have yeah. been in the system for a long time. Um, you know, it's a lot you know, it's just easier on a family to adopt a newborn than right. it is to adopt a 15 year old. Yeah. And one's not better than the other, but like when you go, what's the biggest need, that's the biggest need. Yeah. And so I remember as we were going through that and Molly and I were feeling that tension of like, what should we be doing? And how should we, you know, the, the thought came to me of like, the question is not what's the biggest need, but it's what's the biggest need we can meet. Yeah. And for us, we've kind of, felt like, well, that turned out to be like, we can provide kind of relational support for people who are doing this and we can offer babysitting and we can, you know, do some things like that. But, you know, as, as our family was growing, we kind of realized like, we're not in a position to do this right now. So what, what were the principles you used to kind of assess what we can, what we can meet? Yeah. I, well, it's, it's interesting. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of like going, okay, well, what do I know for sure? God has already called me to Mm -hmm. Um, and in that particular case, it was leading, uh, my family as it was, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think at the time, I think we had two, two little girls. Um, so, so leading was, your family would mean having a healthy marriage with your wife. Yep. Spending time with your kids. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. a big part of it. And then a lot of it was realizing like I'm leading a growing church, yeah. you know, and, um, feeling like, you know, to do that well takes a level of energy and it takes a level of focus and mm. it takes a level of um, things. And and then kind of to some degree, like you were talking about going, okay, what are our limitations and what are our um, callings? And I feel like, um, you know, it's an interesting thing because on, on one hand I sort of go, well, had we chosen to dive in and do foster care, like I think the Lord could have provided what we needed to do, you know? Um, at the same time as we prayed through it, we kind of went, we don't, we don't discern that that's the main calling for us right now. Mm. We feel like there's this other calling and that maybe actually one of the ways we can make more of a difference in the issue of foster care is by me leading a church well who cares about foster care. Um, and that that might actually have more of an impact than we as an individual family might do. Yeah. You could argue that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's any empirical way to know. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of that discernment process. But going like, you know, in the end, I can't meet every need. But what can I meet? What can I do? Um, I think frequently about um, Andy Stanley has a line, uh, do for one what you wish you could do for yeah. everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, sometimes we think, well, if I do it for one, I'm going to have to do it for everyone. Yeah. And he kind of goes, no, like just do for one person what you wish you could do for, you know, I think about all the churches in our community and I go like, I'd love to give all of them $50,000. I don't know that we can. Yeah. 
but let's do for living stone what we wish we could do for everybody. You know, let's, uh, anyway. So that's some of how I process that, I yeah. guess. No, that's good. I, I feel like, um, the community of faith can be both a, a help and a hindrance sometimes in these conversations. If, uh, if you're prone to kind of look around and compare yeah, how, you know, and judge yourself based on others, um, that can sometimes be, be challenging if, if you're in a season where a lot of folks are serving in a way that really isn't consistent with your gifting and calling and season of life. Um, but it can also be really helpful to have other people kind of look in and know you and say, Hey, I think there, I think there might be wisdom here. I think this might be something to consider. Um, I remember that season and I remember thinking as I watched people wrestle with it, um, there's all sorts of reasons to kind of motivate a decision to, to engage in that way. Um, and, and I think really kind of wrestling through what, what is driving our heart here? Mm. Is it a, is it a family planning decision? Is it a, I'm trying to justify myself and tell the proof of the Lord that I, I care, or is it like a genuine call to like, to love sure. the fatherless or the, the you know, yep. um, so well, yeah. some of what's so hard too is like, um, you know, we all have different gifts and we have different mm -hmm. passions and we, we inevitably, I mean, we can't help but see the world through those gifts and passions. Mm. And the danger is we can do, um, what Larry Osborne calls drive by guilting mm. where we sort of go, well, yeah. I see the world through this lens yes. and, and all godly people must see it through this lens. And we kind of project our passions and our gifts on other people and end up kind of, you know, making them feel like, well, if they were a real serious Christian, they would see it the way I see it. And I feel like, you know, we're, no, we're a diverse body. There's lots of diverse callings. And I'm really thankful for, you know, in a church like ours, for people who are, you know, really called to make a difference through business or really mm. called to make a difference through foster care or really called to make a difference through politics or really called to make a difference through uh, collecting diapers and formula and taking them to poor people in Mexico or really called to make a difference through missions. You know, I just feel like, well, what does God, does, which, which of those things does God care about? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I like all of it. And uh, speaking of that, I, I think this might just be a good time to plug uh, one of our other podcasts is for Jesus, the for Jesus podcast. Yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Wilcox and one of our elders right now is just doing some great interviews with people in different areas of market, the marketplace and yeah. different sectors of work and talking through what it looks like to follow Jesus and make a difference in those. And so, if you and like he these, has a fantastic voice. He does. I mean, it's he does such have a, a good, great voice for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm jealous every time I hear him talk. <laughs> so an, another piece on the generosity thing that you and I were talking about earlier is, um, is receiving generosity. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I feel like, um, so both are kind of directly related to our functional belief in the gospel, right? So if we functionally believe that God is good and he's generous and he owns all things and he provides, then we'll be generous. But we also, uh, functionally believe that uh our worth and value isn't determined by our production sure like what we can produce or our efficiency we believe that it's determined by god's love that he set upon us from the foundations of the world and so uh, that allows us to receive with gratitude and not guilt mm. so anytime guilt comes up there's a great there's a a great um you know it's a great indication that the gospel somehow involved. 
Um, and I, I've seen this a lot, honestly, in our church. Um, we have the opportunity of ministering in, I would say, like more of an affluent community, you know, sub suburban community. Not that there isn't need, financial need, there absolutely is. But um, it, it seems like like the bigger challenge for a lot of our folks would be receiving, not giving. Mm, sure. Um, and you guys mentioned this a bit last week on the podcast related to benevolence, but that's one of our, that's one of the most frustrating things about the benevolence process is okay. we'll have people come to us and it's like they waited way too long to ask for help. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes, not always, but sometimes that's related to this feeling that uh, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly be needy. Like sure. there's something shameful about being needy. Mm-hmm. And yet the gospel tells us like, that's exactly who we are. Sure. We're needy people um, in need of God's grace. Well, I'm curious f- for you. you, you and I are in similar positions and that we've had a number of different experiences and a number of people close to us who've been incredibly generous to us over mm. the years. Yeah. And um, I'm curious for you, how have you learned to receive generosity without it becoming entitlement? Gosh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this last Disney trip was, completely funded by Christie's parents. You were on scholarship. That's we were, what, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's it, what Molly and I call it. Oh, we're on scholarship this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was yeah. I mean, such a gift. It's incredible. Um, so for me, I just try to like actively notice all the blessings and then verbally thank whoever I'm thanking for them. So yeah. thanking the Lord, obviously, all the time, and then thanking, the, you know, thank, in this case, it was Diane went with us, Christie's, Christie's mom, and just thanking her. So we'd have meals together and I'd say, thanks for the food, you know, and the kids kind of hear it and then they, they, they follow suit, which is great. But, um, yeah. And I think like, uh, not just kind of like a rote thanks, like dear Lord, thanks for this food. Amen. Mm -hmm. But like noticing something particular about it. Mm. So, uh, my favorite meal on the whole trip, I love cafeteria food. (laughs) And my favorite meal was there was this there's this cafeteria like, what I mean what is cafeteria food because I feel like cafeteria food's anything that's in a cafeteria well but. yeah but typically it's like they make a big portion of like okay. a casserole or okay. like pot roast or okay. mashed potatoes you know it's the huge pile of mashed potatoes you got the, your tray yes and they're scooping to. it out okay. and the steam's coming because it's like a, in a steamer you know <laughs> um, so I, there's this cafeteria on Main Street in Disneyland and they were serving pot roast. Oh man. And of course it was like two times as expensive as it would be anywhere else in the world. But, um, and I happened to be eating with Diane and I just love pot roast. And I, <laughs> I mean, I love any kind of like comfort food, you know? Right. So I remember the elder meeting years ago where we were having a breakfast meeting at village Inn, and you ordered the turkey dinner yes <laughs> came t- turkey probably out of a can yeah. and gravy and mashed potatoes fantastic. and stuffing and it's like 6 15 in the morning and you're like what are you doing i love it man anyway. i love it gravy anything you can put gravy on it's just so good so uh but, you know, just really, like, appreciating yeah. it. Yeah, and so going, you're sitting there in Main Street eating your pot eating roast. Eating it with Diane, saying, Diane, this is so good. Like, mm. this is a gift, and I just want you to know how, how much I'm just blessed by it, and, I, and I'm so thankful. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, just trying to notice the particularities about things that are that are good gifts from God and, you know, thanking Him and, and then telling other people about it. I, I like to tell people about things that I enjoy uh-huh, and sure. most of those things are gifts in one way or another. And so kind of almost bragging on the folks that are being generous. Yeah. Uh, it's 
fun. Not because I have to, but because it's a it's sure. a joy. So. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, it is a challenge to receive. Uh, I don't think it's that hard to receive when people are being nice mm. and kind of small things are easier, you know, yeah. but big things are pretty tough. Like sometimes yeah. to go like, whoa, you shouldn't like, that's what people say. You shouldn't have. Right. And it's like, well, what about this made you think I should have like, this is clearly, of course I shouldn't have. That's what makes this fun. fun. You know, yeah. if you're in, yeah. when you're on the giving side of it, it's like, really fun to go of course i shouldn't have but right. this is and um you know but i i remember like even just on you and i have both had the experience of of taking a sabbatical mm. and there is that time on a sabbatical where you re- like feel bad like oh a lot of people don't get this and yeah. i feel bad that i'm getting this and it and just having the have almost the discipline of receiving generosity yeah yeah definitely um yeah that that can be challenging. I think the struggle is part of the Lord's work in our hearts of yeah. driving the gospel and exposing idols. And, you know, Romans talks about how we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And I think like this whole thing is about learning to receive God's grace. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of the challenges, so I mentioned generosity within families, cause that's a lot of where we, you know, oftentimes we'll receive generosity. One of the challenges that I've seen other folks, uh, struggle through is when the the gift comes with strings attached yeah um and i think that can be particularly hard for the way that we understand the gospel so if you grew up Mm. in a home where a lot of the blessings you received came with strings attached Mm, yeah uh it can make you feel like god's good gifts come with strings attached Mm. um i i've i've dealt with a lot of folks who feel that way that's interesting um i'm curious if you've experienced that and how you've shepherded yourself or others through that yeah, I, it's, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. I It doesn't resonate from like a, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've experienced a lot of that. I feel like um, largely I've experienced generosity that didn't have a lot of strings attached. Um, but I can see how, uh, yeah, I can I can see that. It's You know, even, you know, yesterday I uh, called Whitney Clayton, who's, he's the pastor of uh, yeah. Living Stone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about, you know, the news and everything of, which of was a surprise given. to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that it was happening. Super fun. But I, but I made clear to him, I said, listen, Hey, this is our gift to you guys and you can do whatever you want with it. Like if you actually decide we're not going to replace the trailer and we're going to do things another way, like that's up to you. Like this, this is not coming with any set of expectations or here's how you have to use this or whatever. So, um, and I didn't necessarily, I mean, my guess is he's going to, they're going to go buy a trailer and do that stuff. But I just, I explicitly kind of wanted to go like, Hey, this is not, um, cause it, in a way that becomes not really a gift. Right. It it's just becomes control. a way of controlling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is definitely something to notice when we give is, do we have ulterior motives? Are we trying to advance a particular agenda or are we giving with open hands the way that we receive? Yeah. Right? Well, at a practical level with the church, that, that's part of the reason why um, mm. when we kind of do giving the way we do, yeah. um, that we have, I think, only a few like extra funds that people could designate a gift to. Yeah. Like, but almost all of the giving just goes into general giving. Yeah. Um, and even if someone designates it, like if someone were to write on their check, you know, this is for a new grand piano. Yeah. Well, we don't have a grand piano fund. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
and because what we're really believing is like to go this is giving up you're giving up control you're giving up you know and yeah. i think that's one of the you know it's one of the things that's been interesting to me and i know you've you know before being in ministry you worked in kind of wealth management and what's mm-hmm. interesting is the more money people make the more they want to control even their philanthropy and their yep. giving yep. and um you know and it can be a kind of way of of uh going like you're not i don't know i'm not sure if you're giving you know, because it t- tends to have these strings attached or because it tends to advance. Oh, you got your name on the building or, you know, and I think, uh, I do think, you know, one of the marks of real generosity is, is that you let go of it. Right. And you kind of trust the Lord with yeah where it goes. Yeah. One of the things I was just struck by when I was working with a lot of high net worth individuals who had way more money than they would ever need was it seemed like the more money, at least in this context that I was working in, the more money people had, the more anxious they were. Mm. And they hired me to manage it. And yet they were calling every day (laughs) and I'm going, go, go enjoy yourself. Like we've got this, you know, but, um, there, there's something interesting about control and money. And, uh, I mean, Jesus talks a lot about money, not, not because money in and of itself is wrong, but because it, it exposes and touches on so many idols of our hearts. Right. Um, and, and it's really related to this idea of like, like the gospel is trusting God, mm. not ourselves. Yeah. And money's a great um, laboratory testing environment to say, am I really trusting God? How, yeah. how is that? How's that going? Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Well, um, I don't know if do you have anything else you want to talk about before yeah, we one, sign I mean, off? You mentioned the uh, designated giving. I think I think it might just be interesting for people to know. So uh, we're a 501c3 organization. So the IRS actually has rules related to how we can uh, keep or maintain our 501c3 status. So that allows people to give money to our organization and deduct that money on their taxes. You get a a tax deduction for the money you give. But one of the requirements for that is you have to give up control when you give the money. So if someone writes a check and designates it to a grand piano, what I have to do is call that person on the phone and say, Hey, um, this isn't a fund that our elders have designated money to go to. And so if you'd like, we can set this money aside for a grand piano, but we can't give you a tax deduction for it because in the eyes of the IRS, you haven't actually given up control of these funds. Nor are we committed to buying a grand piano. Yeah. And, and <laughs> by the way, that money might sit there for a long time because we're probably not going to buy a grand piano. But, but you know, and sure. oftentimes it's really well-intentioned. Sure. Like folks will say, hey, I would like to give this money to this ministry. But in, in less the, or sometimes people go, Hey, I want to, I want to, I know this family in need and I want to help them. Yes. Can I help them anonymously? And we say, yeah, totally. You can give it to the church, but if you designate it to go to Joe Smith, you can't get a tax deduction right. for it. You we'll know, facilitate that, that would, the an- yeah. anonymity of the gift, but we'll we help. can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but we can't be a kind of like tax haven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could lose our our tax exempt status. And, and I just think it's when you think about how organizations are run, um, you have leaders that are charged to care for and understand the needs of the whole. Sure. And there's always like, there's always need everywhere. And it's the job of the elders to kind of be able to assess where to focus resources based on the kind of overall goals that the, that the Lord has called us to. And so what are, what are the funds just right now? Uh, oh yeah here october of 2021 
Yeah. So, so there's, there's the general fund, the general fund, which gives us the most flexibility, obviously, in stewarding those resources where the areas of greatest need. Um, there's the benevolence fund, which uh, you guys mentioned last week has just been a lot of fun this year to spend and bless people. There's been a lot of uh, money coming into that. Um, there's the short-term missions fund, which is essentially the Juarez fund, okay. um, which people have been super generous with. We have a group over in Juarez right now building a house and um, yep. doing a lot of fun things to administer that community. Um, there is the student scholarship fund. So that is something that the elders have established and people can give money directly to student scholarships. Now, if they give to direct students That's to, for students to go to camp and to go like to that. camp. Yeah. So if, if Not they school scholarships, correct. Camp scholarships. Yeah. yeah camp scholarships. Thank you. Um, they, they can't give to specific students or that's a designated gift and it's not deductible, sure. but, um, general scholarships and, oh gosh, am I missing one? Probably building. Oh yeah. It's probably still fund. the building fund. Yeah. Which people still give money to every week, which yeah. I'm so thankful for. We have a little under $7 million of debt we're trying to pay off. And so that's a, that's a huge blessing yeah. as well. So, yeah. So that's some of the funds we do have. I mean, a little inside baseball there, I yeah. guess, but some people will be interested in that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, as I just reflect on the weekend and I just, I think about God's generosity, mm. um, in the gospel, I think about God's generosity in you know, one of the main ways I think of God being generous to me in my life is through relationships. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just this, I feel like I've got a long list of people who have cared about me and loved me and invested in me and people who I could call and go, Hey, I'm in a pinch. Can you help me? And, and there'd be a lot of folks that would be ready to, to help. And so I feel like that's a way God's been generous. Um, I mean, just so many things. And so yeah. it, uh, you know, it feels appropriate that we would be generous. And I think, you know, one of the distinctions and you, you and I, um, you know, have talked about this before privately, but you know, there's kind of a, God's been so generous to me. So I need to be generous to him back mm. in a kind of uh, debtor's ethic. Yeah. John Piper calls it the debtor's ethic. Like, you know, God gave it all for me. So I owe him. And mm. I feel like, uh, no, it's like, God's done it all for me. And I'm just going to thank him for that, mm. but I'm going to imitate what he does and try to be like my heavenly father. Yeah. And, um, and I believe that, you know, kind of like we talked about on Sunday, like part of how God gives grace is through people. And yeah. so, Anyway, so I'm I'm just massively encouraged through it, and uh, and I'm glad that you could be here to help us talk more about it. Yeah, so, thanks. thanks. It's been fun. Yeah, so uh, next week's going to be our uh, last week of uh, kind of breaking down this series, and it's going to be uh, kind of fun. I think Seth will be back, and so uh, he and I will talk. Josh Watt will actually be here on Sunday preaching. All right. I'm excited to be able to kind of uh, see him and, yeah. and uh, hear from him. Um, but uh, Seth and I will kind of uh, break down more of that. And I think that'll be important because the this last one is on salvation, you know, that, that God saves sinners, that ultimately our salvation comes down, not to our pursuit of God, but to God's pursuit of us. And uh, I know that's a thing people often struggle with and have questions about. And so I think we'll dig into more of that next week. So uh, Matthew, thanks for coming by. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on King & Culture. See ya. <laughs>